our next segment. We've got a pretty interesting, exciting idea that me and Zach came up with. We, what our idea was is basically the Mount Rushmore of Mid-American Conference. So basically what that means is any week we can bring up this segment. It's basically going to survive us each picking five of our own athletes to pick the five people that truly represent the greatness of the university we pick. Just for this episode, it's going to be more of a test episode just to see how much, how well you guys like it, how well it goes, and just like figure out the kinks of it. So the first week we're going to go Central Michigan. We haven't figured out the order, whether it's going to be Toledo next or Akron next. But I think I explained that, Zach. Is there anything else I'm missing? Uh, no, I think I think you got it, man. We'll each pick our five. Uh, each week we're going to have uh, a guest uh, on with us to help us pick that is affiliated with the university which is, um, brings us to why we have our, our uh, guest here today, James Jimenez, our uh, digital director at Hustle Belt. James, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on, uh, Sam, Zach. Uh, I've listened over, your last, uh, listened over your last podcast, the last couple ones there, and I've been really excited with the growth, even just from episode one to episode two. I think Alan and I chose pretty right when it came to getting this together in terms of our little Motley crew here. Yeah, if you guys don't know, James is kind of the person responsible along with Alan for this whole podcast, so you can give a big thanks to him. He was actually back on episode zero, so quick kind of plug there. If you want to go listen to it, you can still, it's on Anchor, it's on Hustle Belt. It's all, all on the sites we are available on, and yeah, I, I for, the, for you guys, we just wanted to do this draft because we thought me and Zach that we were a little bit too football heavy so we just thought to switch it up a bit so we decided to get in this draft we're gonna have James go first I'm going second and Zach going third followed by a snake order so James will go fourth I'll go fifth or no Zach will go fourth he'll be the third and fourth pick I'll be fifth and James will be sixth am I right yep you nailed it yep you got it all right that that's a lot of information for you guys hopefully you just follow along let us know on Twitter. We'll, I'll be posting a question who your guys' Mount Rushmore of each school is, so hopefully you can give us feedback. And then also ask you guys basically who has the best Mount Rushmore out of the school. I'll, for my guess, it'll probably be James because he knows a lot more about Central Michigan than me or Zach does. But we're, we're here giving it a shot, trying something new, and hope you guys enjoy. So, James, we'll let you kick it off with the first pick. So the first pick in this uh, Central Michigan Mount Rushmore draft is Herb Duramedy, Wow. head coach. All a right, solid, so, a solid first pick, James. I must say. Okay. Yeah. So Herb Duramedy, for those who don't know, he was the head football coach for Central Michigan's national championship in 1974, back when CMU was in what would be now considered uh, FCS. I think back then it was called Division one double a or something like that a small colleges division i think yeah i believe that's it right there the small college division game yeah you got it yeah uh they won their national championship in the camellia bowl that year uh but yeah dramedy was successful well before that uh winning as football coach in central michigan history i think he also might have coached one or two other teams at the varsity level at central back then and then he retired from being the head football coach and became the athletic director and had a highly successful mark being the AD at Central as well. 
So, you know, you don't have Central Michigan sports today without the work of Herb Duramity, who is really vital in getting Central Michigan up from, you know, Division One AA to what today is the FBS. Yeah. Like, our, you know, Herb Duramity was, you know, back in the before time, mm-hmm. like before, yeah. like CMU yeah. was formally a part of the Mid-American Conference. And, you know, that really helped get all of the Michigan, what well, of the current Michigan Mac schools, like up into the Mac and to establish all of those divisions. Okay. And what you just said right there, James, I think is, is exactly why we wanted to have someone such as yourself on. Uh, that, you know, that's affiliated with the school, because in all my research that I did for the segment, I, I, he was, Herb was not on my list. But <laughs> yeah, neither was. But, yeah. but the thing that you just said um, about, like, Central Michigan athletics probably would not exist today in the form that it does without his influence. Like, that right there, to me, really speaks the volumes of, like, this is a person that belongs in this conversation on this group that had such a profound impact on the program at a time where, you know, college athletics was very different back then than it is today. And you never know what would have happened if Herb wasn't around and his influence wasn't there. So incredible first pick, James, I got to say, well, well done. Yeah, I told you, I told you boys, I might be going off the wall for a couple of these. (laughs) First pick did not disappoint. uh, Just, just for, just for background, we're doing this on a video zoom call. Mm-hmm. And I, and I could see their reactions live when I said that, and it was yeah. it was delightful, absolutely delightful. To see. <laughs> yeah, I I had no idea who that guy is, but listening off his accomplishments, he's definitely a solid first pick. Now, for my first pick, I hope you guys don't think this is much of a reach. I don't know. With my first pick and number two overall pick, this is I feel like a little bit different. It's. I, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, James. Dan LaFauer? Dan LaFever. Dan LaFever. You got to catch the LaFever. So so why I picked him as a first pick, I think he he's kind of the faces of Central Michigan football. When you look at what he's done, yes, he wasn't highly drafted and he wasn't that successful in the professionals. And I think this list is more about what you've done for the program. And I think he's definitely a – person that deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore when you look at his accomplishments. So not only is he a quarter, he's a 2009 MAC MVP. He's a two-time MAC Offensive Player of the Year, 2006 MAC Freshman of the Year, three-time first all-team MAC, three MAC championships to go along with it, a bowl victory to go along with it, several MAC records, including completions, passing yards, passing touchdowns, and more. Finished with 12,000 yards, 149 total touchdowns, I mean, he's basically done it all. He's got your bowl victories. He's got your records. He led you to MAC championships. What more could you ask from an athlete? And he rose to the occasion. Sam, I got to be honest, man. I'm disappointed right now because Dan Lefevre was also going to be my first pick. Mm-hmm. I remember watching. I remember Dan Lefevre and Antonio Brown together. Uh, in I want to say it was maybe James. You might be able to correct me if I'm wrong on this. I want to say it was maybe like 2008 or 2009. They went to East Lansing and beat Michigan State. I think that was the same year that they they finished the season ranked after they won their bowl game. Um, he was a a pleasure to watch as a football player. Um, I another stat in my research that I found Sam um, that I found interesting about Dan Lefevre was that. Um, he is the only player in NCAA football history to throw for 12,000 yards and rush for 2,500. So 
Um, that is uh, quite an accomplishment. Good pick. You took him. You took him off my board. He he was going to be yeah. the first name out of out of my mouth. That's that's an excellent pick. And uh, to go back and check on that, yes, that would have been two thousand nine okay, when they gotcha. beat Michigan yeah. State, and then they beat Troy in the two thousand nine GMAC Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, to uh, finish the season ranked in the top twenty five at twenty fifth. Now, awesome. now in terms of uh, the successful pro career or whatever Sam alluded to, uh, Lefevre was a sixth round pick. Mm-hmm in his respective draft, which would have been around the time uh, Brown might have gotten selected in the same draft, yeah. if I recall correctly. Uh, he did flame out in the NFL, but he had a relatively fine career in the Canadian Football League between three teams, uh, most famously with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, which has a pretty good history with uh, Central Michigan football products. Over there, uh, his specialty was primarily as a uh, goal line and third down quarterback, which is very unique to CFL play. Okay. Uh, yeah. One one other stat on Lefever before we move on here I, that I just remembered. Uh, I believe you know for Lefever when he graduated with his yards and like that twelve thousand twenty five hundred stat, mm-hmm. only I think second place to him is Vince Young. That's right. Just to give you context on that. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, he's also combined rushing and passing. He's fourth all time in yards uh, in the NCAA uh, with 15,853. That's, that's quite a, quite a career uh, over four years in Mount Pleasant um, for, for Dan Lefevre. Uh, so I guess that's me. I'm up, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm going to go for my, for my first pick here. Um, I'm going back a bit, not quite as far back as James, not quite as far back as you went with your first pick, but for my first pick here, um, I'm going to the hardwood. I'm going Dan Marley. Uh, a lot of people know Dan Marley from, if you were an NBA fan in the 90s, you remember him playing for the Suns, uh, the, you know, the one year they lost to the Bulls in the, uh, in the finals. Uh, Dan Marley was on that Suns team with Charles Barkley. Dan Marley, only CMU basketball player ever to be three-time first team All-Mac. He is second in Chippewa program history in in scoring average points per game, 21.8. Fourth in steals, fifth in rebounds, sixth in block shots. And um, of the three of the top 10 scoring seasons in Central Michigan history, Dan Marley has three of them. He was the 14th overall pick in the 1988 NBA draft, three-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-Defensive first team in the NBA, and um, is the uh, the second all-time leading scorer in Central Michigan basketball history. So um, I submit to you guys my uh, my first pick, third pick overall, uh, Dan Marley. So. So uh, originally I thought I was like, who's Dan Marley? But now that James has spelled it, it makes a lot more sense who Dan Marley (laughs) is. Because again, I'm terrible at pronunciation, but he probably would have been my next pick. I mean, he's the, he's, he's, he he has excellent accolades. And not only that, he, he also, after his NBA career, he coached at D1 University for seven seasons. So he's done it all at this point. He's done well in college, NBA, and even coached some. I mean, he's he's an excellent pick. I, uh, James, do you have anything to add? 
Nah, I mean, like, if you're if you're of a certain age, like Dan Marley is probably your first exposure to CMU as you know a university in general, and you know Marley was kind of a player ahead of his time, you know, in the '80s and '90s in terms of his game, and you know, you go back and watch those highlights, he was pretty damn good. I don't yeah. recall how many All Star appearances he had exactly, but he was part of the reason why basketball is still extremely relevant in Phoenix. Definitely. And, and, and I think, like, you look at those, those like, mid-90s, mid to late-90s Suns teams. I, I should say, actually, probably early to mid-90s would be more accurate. But you look at some of those teams, and it was, like, Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson. But then, like, as far as, like, the third best player, like, Dan Marley was right there. I mean, he was a heck of a defender. He was a great shooter. He was, for his size, he was a great rebounder. I mean, he was really a well-rounded, all-around great basketball player. He really was. And um, I think, you know, he's someone that, you know, he, he has his name and his jersey hanging in the rafters in more than one place. Obviously, Central Michigan's one of them. He's, he's in the Central Michigan Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I, I do think uh, he is one of the guys that really, I think, kind of defines uh, Central Michigan, especially when it comes to basketball. Uh, so I guess oh, is it? Uh, I guess I'm up again. Unless I don't know, Sam. Did you have anything else to add? Um, not really. I was I wasn't around to watch him like uh, Herb Dramedy. So it's yeah. it's kind of hard for us. I I'm what James. He was before your even your time, right? Yeah, just a little bit for my time. I'm I was born '93. Okay. So yeah, but so like I was, so you know, I retrospectively, was, I have a, an appreciation for yeah. you know Marley's game. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I was, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, James. I was, I was born 91. So I like, I might've caught like the tail end of his, uh, you know, kind of his NBA career, but that, that was about it. Um, for my, uh, for my next pick here. So this will be, uh, what fourth overall. Yeah, fourth overall. Um, this one here, James, Feel free to tell me if, if this one is, is a reach, but I'm, I'm kind of going way back again. Uh, mm. Another player from the 80s here. I'm going back to the football field. This is going to be – I'm going with Ray Bentley, uh, a linebacker from Central Michigan in the mid-80s. He was uh, – still is the all-time tackles leader at Central Michigan with 443 career tackles. He was a uh, two-time first-team All-Mac in 1981 – in 1982 and uh in 1982 his senior year uh he was the uh the mac mvp and the defensive player of the year um he ended up he went on to play 10 years in the nfl with uh the bills and the Bengals. uh played in two super bowls uh with the bills um at the, at the back end of their you know when they went to four straight super bowls and, and lost them all in the early 90s he, he was a part of two of those two teams um, but again, still the all-time leading tackler at Central Michigan, um, still holds the record for the most tackles in a season with 173 in, uh, in 1982, and uh, went on to have a 10-year career in the NFL. So again, maybe a little bit of a reach, but uh, in all my research that I did on the history of Central Michigan athletics and Central Michigan football, Ray Bentley's name uh, consistently came up. So I, I, felt, um, I felt compelled to include him in my list. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Bentley is a pretty good pick right around there. Maybe a little bit of a reach. I might have started looking at him at like 
my third or four pick. But if you're okay. looking for somebody who embodied Chippewa football in the 80s, which is, you know, right when Central was in the middle of their transition from, you know, FCS to FBS, essentially, that's pretty much the perfect player to look for in terms of that era. And as you said, he still has many of the defensive uh, many of the defensive metrics in terms of like all time tackles and things of that nature nearly 40 years later. And that, if anything, is indicative of the legacy that Bentley has left behind. And, and I think, I think the one thing with this list that brings up, I'm like, all these names are being listed up and they were all before I was born. So I was actually able to appreciate their greatness unless I watch YouTube highlights or whatever, cause I was born in 2000. So most of these like players I wasn't able to see, which is really unfortunate. Now, when we get down to the later rounds, I'll probably start pulling out some names you remember. So, with my next pick, I believe it's pick five. You yep, again, fifth pick. You guys can let me know if I'm reaching here. I'm going to throw it back to, I believe, even further than what Zach just mentioned. He's a guy before James's time as well. He's a guard that played during the 80s for the um, uh, Chippewas. His name is Melvin McLaughlin. He's a 1983 six-round selection for the Cavaliers. And again, like my previous pick, he's done so much, but this time for basketball. He's a, the Central Michigan leader in steals, all-time leader in scoring. Finished with over 2,000 points for CMU. He's a CMU Hall of Fame inductee. And considering the fact he scored 2,000 points when there wasn't even three-point line introduced. He's a, he's a two-time first-team All-Mac, 1982 Mac Player of the Year. I mean, for me, I thought this was a no-brainer for number two, James. I, I, I can't even pronounce if it's a reach or not. I was like, wow, McLaughlin. Yeah, Just, yeah that, that was a name I was not expecting after your little exposition there about how old Zach and I are these selections. <laughs> but, you know, that McLaughlin, really good pick. Uh, he is one of a handful of Central Michigan basketball players with their number retired in Zemia basketball history. I think there's only three. Marley and McLaughlin are two of them, and I'm not telling you who the third one is. <laughs> well, I guess you're going to pick him. <laughs> maybe not now, but maybe later. Okay. Uh, you know, McLaughlin had an excellent CMU career. I don't, I don't see this as a terrible reach at all. I think I think I'm just, I'm just more I'm just more surprised because I was yeah. expecting something else there. It's uh, really making me adjust my draft strategy here. Well, I, I so far it seems like we haven't been reaching out according to the kind of our connection within the Ball State, so I'm or not Ball State, uh, Central Michigan. So Zach, I think I'm feeling pretty good so far with mine. Yeah, I think we're I think I think we've uh, acquitted ourselves quite well here uh, thus far. Haven't embarrassed ourselves yet. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so with that, um, James, it is uh, back to you, sir, uh, for pick number, what is it, pick number six? Six. Pick number six, goodness. Uh, like you said, I didn't expect so many older names to go so quickly, so my strategy has kind of backfired on me here. <laughs> uh, so I chose Dramedy first. We just had McLaughlin, Bentley, Marley, Lefevre. I suppose with the second pick I have then, I'm going to go ahead and just go with what I know at the moment. Uh, also, buy me some time for the third pick. 
And I'm going to go ahead and select Margo Yonker. Okay. Margo Yonker, softball coach for Central Michigan. Uh, it, for those of you who don't know Margo Yonker, and I'm assuming that's both of you, <laughs> Margo <laughs> Yonker was CMU's softball coach for 40 seasons before wow. she retired. She really established CMU as like the MAC power in uh, softball. They've had 13 NCAA appearances if memory recalls correctly i think she has over a thousand wins or something like that she was recently inducted into the uh mac hall of fame which was part of the reason why that name kind of came back it came back into the mirror here we go uh i i have my research on me i found it uh she brought cmu to the ncaa tournament 13 times she won 10 mac tournament championships 10 regular season titles and clinched one berth in the Women's World College Series as well. She is also a Olympic coach, earning a gold medal in the 2000 Sydney Games. She has coached eight All-Americans, 87 All-Mac first-teamers, 39 second-teamers, seven Mac Players of the Year, three Mac Pitchers of the Year, six Mac Freshmen of the Year, seven Mac Tournament MVPs. Also had three academic All-Americans and 67 academic All-Conference selections in her career. She oh. has just about every accolade you could ever <laughs> ask for mm-hmm. out of a softball coach. She is so good, in fact, that she played in a stadium that was or played. She coached in a stadium that was named in her honor for eight seasons before she retired. And or, excuse me, game. eleven, eleven seasons. And a quick thing to add, she is not only a member of that Hall of Fame, but she is a member of six total Hall of Fames. And the record you mentioned, she went 1,268, 808 losses and seven uh, ties, it seems like. Her win total is ninth all-time in Division One history. Yeah, and not only that, but she is an integral part of like the Mount Pleasant community. She is absolutely beloved. You know, in you know Mount Pleasant's regular community, with the uh, with Mount Pleasant's uh, Chippewa tribe community, with you know Isabella County as a whole, the tri counties, really as a whole, she's done many, many, many charitable works out here in this area, and you know she lives out in this area now. And like, if you don't know who Margot Yonker is, like in the Mount Pleasant community, like you've got to be new around there. She's just an amazing person, electric personality, just did everything the right way, which is all you can ask for when it comes to a coach at the FBS level. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and again, James, yeah. you're, uh, you, you really brought it today. You're, you're, yeah. you're bringing names that I was not even coming across in my research. <laughs> so yeah. well done. Well done. And I think, Again, the the theme with your picks that I love is that like if we're talking about the Mount Rushmore of a school of like these are the people that really shaped this athletic program or really like left their mark. These are the type of people that we want to talk about. People like Margot Yonkers, uh, people like Herb Damani, who really kind of like built the foundation of of what came after them. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's another great pick. And, and one thing to add, uh, me and um, Zach were talking, we, we don't really know these people uh, kind of off the field, if you want to put it off the court, off the pitch. So I, I'm really glad you brought up the charitable works because me and Zach haven't had the pleasure of meeting these people kind of like off the field. Definitely, definitely. Um, 
So with that, Sam, uh, I believe it is. Uh, no, it's back- James because he's. Oh, got- that's, that's right. back to me. Snake draft, baby. Uh, man, you get, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm rusty. It's you know fantasy football. My last fantasy football draft was a year ago, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm not used to this. So okay, so yes, back to you, James, for for pick number seven. I think As we're I- all. I think we're all expecting some uh, name here that's going to blow us away. But that, that, that's, that's all. That, uh, blah, 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 blah. Let me start that over. That's a lot of expectation to put on me. But <laughs> well, after, I, those, I after those first two picks, I mean, how can we not? Yeah. I, I'll try to oblige. Uh, but the third selection in my Mount Rushmore of Central Michigan draft, I'm going to go. With Joe Staley, offensive tackle, Central Michigan. Now, I believe Joe Staley was Central Michigan's first first-round selection in their program history. I think he went, I want to say, 28th. I'm trying to look it up here. Yeah, 28th in the 2007 draft to San Francisco. Now, he played his entire career in San Francisco. He's six-time Pro Bowl selection, three-time second-team All-Pro. He was a rookie. You know, you know, he, he was on the rookie, you know, the all rookie team. He's on the 2010s NFL All Decade team, so he's got a lot of professional accolades. You would never believe that he spent his first season in Mount Pleasant as a tight end. Yeah, and then I, you guys. I, I, he, oh my God! No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that's the first name that you've crossed off my board. So we're going there. I remember this is one name I remember watching. The he's been a kind of. He's he's like a he's like the Joe Thomas, but for the NFC. I know he recently retired, which is sad to see. But he was really he was really fun to watch on the 49ers. Yeah, he's he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Not sure if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he'll certainly get in on the first or second ballot, I believe. He will be in Canton, and that'll be fantastic a fantastic day for Chippewas everywhere. And like I said, I was really sad to see him go because he is just. Like I said about Yonker before, he's just outstanding in terms of like carrying on Chippewa values, you know, outside of Mount Pleasant. And he was really freaking good, you know, both in college and in the pros. Now, to talk now, just to like talk about like in college exactly, he was, you know, true freshman, he played tight end, which is fine. But when he transitioned over to offensive line, He's, he managed to help uh, Ontario Sneed, uh, God rest his soul, become a freshman All-American on his way to a 1,000-plus-yard season behind that line there. He was an integral part of multiple MAC championships for Central Michigan. As er, no, uh, He was instrumental, I should say, in helping CMU get towards MAC championship. There, you know, he was excellent in his pro day he ran a 4.7 as an offensive tackle that's insane that's insane in the 40 just to yeah. just to put that into perspective <laughs> there just you know he has the he was the prototypical left tackle of the time in 2007 just absolutely had this absolutely had the size in terms of height and weight that you wanted to see with exceptional speed like i don't think i've seen a 4.7 from a tackle in quite a while in terms of you know, looking at 40 times, he's just going to go down as one of the best players ever come out of Mount Pleasant and perhaps one of the best tackles to have ever played the game at the professional level. And that's really saying something for somebody who was very lightly recruited coming out of high school. Yeah. 
really interesting. Uh, I, I never knew he started there as a, as a tight end. And um, you see the way that he, you know, acquitted himself for so long in the NFL. He, cer he certainly is an all-time great. And uh, would he be, James, so if, it w so I shouldn't say if, when he gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, would he be the first uh, Chippewa? I can't. I can't recall that off the top of my head, but yeah. that might be Sorry, correct. So yeah, so I, I may I may have to look that up while uh, we're we're looking at picks here, but I'm pretty sure that might be the first. Okay. Very so cool. so that path kind of reminds me. It's he, he's not he's not much of a he's not a first round selection by any means, but just like uh, if you guys watched Danny Pinter from Ball State a couple. I know we're talking about Central Michigan, but it just reminds me, he went from tight end, he went to offensive tackle, he got selected in the draft, and he led, he kind of helped gain, get Caleb Huntley to that 1,500-yard mark. I know we were talking about Central Michigan for this time, but that just like, that just kind of had comparisons in my mind. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um so with that, Sam, uh, I believe it is, uh, it is actually this time back to you. So okay. um, for pick number, what are we on? Pick number eight here. Uh, it is back to you, Mr. Filmer. So I am deciding between two people. It's, this is tough because, again, like I feel, I feel like this is going to be much, much more of a reach than the others, but I hope not. I actually watched this guy play. It's going back to basketball. I'm going to select Chris Kamen. I don't know whether that's a reach or not, but I'm going for the man, the myth, the legend, the Greek, the German God himself, Chris Kamen. So here's some reasons why. Not only was he the sixth overall pick, he's done a bunch. He was the 2010 NBA All-Star, 2003 Mac Player of the Year, 2003 First Team All-Mac. It led Central Michigan to a Mac championship victory in the uh, NCAA tournament against Creighton, who at the time had a future NBA big name in Kyle Korver, played for the German national team, averaged a solid 15 points, eight and a half rebounds, and two and a half blocks in college. He And then the NBA, he kind of dipped off 11.2 11 points per game, 7.6 rebounds per game, and 1.3 blocks per game which is still solid he did his role he was a solid role player in the uh nba but back on central michigan i mean it may be much of a reach but i remember playing with this guy on 2k just brings back a lot of memories and i loved uh to use him uh chris Kamen was a another guy that was on my list he's probably gonna be the next one off off the board for me uh i remember chris Kamen. Uh, and Central Michigan beating Creighton in the first round of the NCAA tournament back in whatever the uh, year that was. That would be 2003. 2003. Thank you, James. Which was uh, uh, Central Michigan's last trip to the dance and, and last victory in, in the dance. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I think I'd put him right up there with, with Dan Marley in terms of like the all-time greats of Central Michigan when it comes to basketball. And then you see what he did in the NBA. I mean, he did have himself. I mean, he was never, you know, he was never a superstar or an all-star or anything like that. But he was, you know, Chris Kamen was a solid uh, starter level big man in the NBA for a long time. I mean, that's, 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 I mean, you know, coming from the Mac or you know, in a school like Central Michigan that, um, you know, probably most people when they think of Central Michigan basketball is not the first sport that they think about. 
um, I think is, you know, he's definitely a guy that deserves consideration with what he did for the program there, bringing them their last NCAA tournament win. It's another good pick, Sam. Yeah, I've got nothing else to really add to that. Uh, Kamen was an exceptional player for Central Michigan when he was in Mount Pleasant and lottery pick, you know, CNU's first lottery pick going 1-6 in his draft and you know, I, I do remember him playing for Los Angeles Clippers. It's part of the reason why I have kind of an affinity, not a love for, but an affinity for like mm-hmm. the old LA Clippers. Sure. I remember, yeah, he was, he, I think he was still active in the league when I was attending college. So it was just really nice to like watch games and like see him in action and be like, man, that, that, that guy was here. You know, yeah. like it, it, it's, one of the, it's one of those feelings that you get like when you watch sports that really gives you that like sense of pride in your program. Even if, you know, even if that point in his career, he was more or less, you know, a bench warmer who was getting five minutes, you know, at the end of games or like two minutes at the end of yeah. quarters or something like that. It's always like he made it like that dude made it. I was going to say like, even if he's getting two minutes a night, like he's, he's getting those checks to play basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not right. Not cause, cause there, cause there have been, there have been other CMU basketball players who have been excellent and have posted, you know, very similar, if not better numbers than Cayman, who didn't. Mm-hmm. So, like, just the fact that he did is yeah, really yeah. cool in and of itself. He, he played his role. And, James, so do you think that was a reach, or am I am I three for three so far? Nah, Cayman was really good. I was honestly going between Staley and Cayman myself right there with my pick previous. So that's excellent value for Chris Cayman. So I believe the next pick, I believe ninth overall goes to Zach. It is our, is it, it would be starting our, it's the end of end our of season. second. And then he gets the start yeah. of the third. That's okay. right. That's right. Okay. Um, all right. For my last, or for my, my last, for my next pick here, um, I'm going to do something that I told myself I wouldn't do, <laughs> but we're getting a little bit deeper into this now. And, uh, and, and James, this was actually the guy that I was going to ask you about, um, but I'm just going to, I'm going to draft him now and then we can get your thoughts afterwards. Um, I live in Pittsburgh. I'm a huge Steelers fan. So this guy's stock has gone down for me personally a little bit over the last 12 to 18 months, but I got to go with Antonio Brown here. I mean, when you look at a guy, if we're talking strictly just production on the field, This is a guy that played three seasons at Central Michigan, and in three seasons, he set the record for career receptions with 305. He had three, he basically had three seasons of 1,000 yards. He had two seasons of 1,000 yards, and the third season, he had 998 yards. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt and say he had three 1,000-yard seasons. He's also third all-time in touchdowns for Central Michigan with, uh, with 22. Um, his, I mean, his, his last year in Mount Pleasant, uh, which was the 2009 season, 14 games, I mean, 110 receptions, 1,198 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, 42 rushing attempts, 341 rushing yards, eight yards per attempt, three touchdowns there. I mean, 
all of us, we, we all watched Antonio Brown for the last decade mm-hmm. in the NFL. I mean, the guy's an electric athlete. Say what you want about him, you know, off the field or, or whatever the case may be. But, I mean, the guy, you put him between the sideline, you know, you put him, you know, on the gridiron there on, on Saturday or Sunday, and the, the dude produces. He puts up numbers. Uh, so, again, originally when we were going into this segment, I wasn't going to include him on my list here. Uh, but now that we're getting a little bit deeper in, in, into the end of things, um, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pick them. Um, again, strictly just because of on-field production. I mean, you can't argue with the numbers there. All-time leader uh, in uh, receptions for the school in only three seasons. Uh, fourth all-time in receiving yards. Third all-time in touchdowns. And again, that's against, that's, you know, him only playing three seasons. Everyone else he's being judged against played four. So um, I think it's safe to say that if he would have stuck around one more year in Mount Pleasant, he'd probably own all of the records uh, as it regards receptions and yards and touchdowns and all that stuff. So I'm going with Antonio Brown. And before before James gets his take on the whole Antonio Brown thing, I I loved watching him in the NFL. I was a Colts fan, so going against him was a little bit tough to watch because, I mean, he would just roast our DBs all day long. But just the dominance he had, like people were putting him up there with a Julio Jones, just like the top of the top receivers, Michael Thomas, et cetera. And it's uh, sad to see. I'm going to just strictly stay on the field. Just – his dominance is just unparalleled to like, I can't really think of anyone he's really else like because he's got the speed. He's got the toughness. He's got the quickness. He's just so versatile. Like he was, he was put on punt return. He was put on like, he's just, I don't know how to describe Antonio Brown other than great. And it's sad to see he's not in the league anymore. Ah, it, it hurts. (laughs) It, 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 it honestly hurts. And I don't think I've ever really put it out there, at least like from an official like hustle belt perspective, like how hurtful that is mm-hmm. in terms of like how everything went down with round, especially over the last year. Now, last year I did write a piece uh, when everything was happening with the Raiders, when, you know, he was asking out at Pittsburgh and eventually got traded over to Oakland and people were, you know, complaining about kind of how he went about doing that and, you know, all that. Everybody knows the background on that. God, that feels like forever ago. Yeah. And I essentially defended him. And I said, hey, you know, I'm giving I'm giving Brown the benefit of the doubt because it seems like he knows what he wants for himself. And the situation in Pittsburgh was untenable because, you know, Pittsburgh had already shown that they were more than fine letting go of Le'Veon Bell, which they eventually did and treating him bad on the way out the door. And they were doing the same to Antonio Brown. So I it was perfectly fine, I thought, for him to do, you know, to act like that. Yeah. And not 12 hours after I published that <laughs> damn thing, Antonio <laughs> Brown just had to go and do the bad things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm not going to get into that for the sake of, you know, dragging down this podcast or whatever. But like, that's when the really bad behavior started. And it's like, mm-hmm. just damn it. Like, yeah. Why did you have to do this? I I, like, I hear you. I, I yeah. hear you, man. And and even you know, as as a Steelers fan, I mean, so many great memories of watching him mm-hmm. play. Uh, 2014 on Christmas Day, when uh, or no, I'm sorry, 2016 on Christmas Day, he scored uh, the last basically a walk off touchdown to win the division against the Ravens. But I also another reason why I picked Antonio Brown here is because when I think of myself as like a Mac fan, like when it comes to Mac football like 2008 2009 
Dan LaFever to Antonio Brown is like the peak of Maction football to me. Like that was like that was they that that team was so much fun to watch. They could I really you really felt like they could beat anybody on any week. And um, you know we talked a couple minutes ago, James, about the 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 game in East Lansing against Michigan State. I mean there were, I feel like there were so many you know games like that where their offense was just so potent. You never knew what they were going to do, and you really felt like any week, even in the non-conference, you know, playing against Big Ten teams, Big 12 teams, whoever the case may be, you really felt like they had a chance to win those games just because of those two guys. Yeah, it, it's just, you know, when it, when it comes to that production, like, that, that's, the, that's just it. That's the frustrating part, too, is that, like, Antonio Brown has always been a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, CMU was, a, CMU was essentially his last chance at being able to be a football player after he had gotten kicked out of FIU and another program for things out there. Like, CMU really took a gamble on Antonio Brown, and he proved himself to be worthy of being on that football field. He earned his scholarship. He was a walk-on originally. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was hard not to fall in love with him. He's an undersized, he was an undersized receiver of a lot of speed, he was a receiver wearing a running back number, you know, number 27. That was his college number. And, you know, he just set all those records. He, for perspective, he blew Brian Anderson, who was an All-American, like, as a freshman and, and like, as a senior, I think, or junior, you know, two-time All-American, if I recall correctly, just blew his numbers out of the water. Like, yeah. Antonio Brown was an incredible receiver with an incredible work ethic. And he showed it again in the NFL mm-hmm. where he showed an incredible work ethic and, you know, got to the upper stratosphere of elite mm-hmm. football player. So if we're talking about like, you know, the Mount Rushmore of productivity, you know, taking out all of the off-field stuff, he would have been a first pick for me. Yep. But because of everything that happened with him, you know, how disappointing that is, like, I can't, I can't you know, place them on that board anymore. And that's really frustrating for me because like, you know, before all of that bad news came out, before all the terrible behavior that came out, like he was a really active part of Central Michigan. Like he would come back to campus and talk to the football teams and make appearances. You know, he made an appearance at a basketball game. Uh, he was part of the uh, search party for uh, Michael Alford when Michael Alford was hired on as athletic director. Uh, He made a million-dollar donation to CMU's football program to go towards uh, heated benches and other facility improvements at Kelly Short Stadium. So, like, yeah, he is a very complicated legacy in Mount Pleasant now, and it's really a damn shame, you know, what happened. I'm getting really emotional talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I have been attached to Antonio Brown just as a part of, like, that CMU identity yep. since I can remember. So, yeah. so James, First being a student. So do you ever think in total, so we've seen a lot of, uh, I, I was looking at like the CMU Hall of Fame. Do you think CMU would ever consider putting him in the Hall of Fame or is that just like out of the question with all the stuff that's gone down? God, right now that's out of the question. Mm-hmm. Like you can't touch Antonio Brown of a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Which again yeah. is just, damn that's just too bad because dude was electric and like no you can't deny he's electric and that mm-hmm. and it, it just feels like i'm a broken record at this point that's just what's frustrating it's just mm-hmm. like yeah. god he was so good so talented with so much potential 
that was both realized and could have been improved upon. So it's just, ah, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, as honestly, as, as a Steelers fan, James, I, I feel much the same way. Uh, you know, up until two years ago, I mean, he was my favorite player. He was my, I look forward to watching him every single week and it is, it is a shame what, what's gone on since then. But uh, again, you know, you look at the stats, you look at the film, you watch his highlights on YouTube. I mean, you cannot deny, uh, you can't deny the electricity. You can't deny the electricity that he brought. Um, thus, my nominating, drafting him and nominating him here for the Central Michigan um, Mount Rushmore. Uh, oh, uh, before, yeah, so to move on, because we yeah. do have a draft to conduct here. Before <laughs> we do that, though, if you do want to look up how terrible of a take I had about Antonio Brown, <laughs> it's yeah. still on the Hustle Belt page. I'll have to I'll have to find it, and we'll have to link it. I was going to say we might we meet, we might need to to revisit that and, and see. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll put in the caption: uh, "Read James's terrible Antonio." Yeah, Brown. Read, yeah, read James, <laughs> read the read the worst take that. James has ever put on his journalistic name right here. <laughs> hey, at least you don't have pe- do you do you have people coming at you like my uh my first article though? <laughs> no, well it, it, it was less that, you know, cuz like like I said for 12 hours it was up before all that news came up and mm-hmm. you know people were reading doing the typical like, you know, you're a you're an athlete apologist or whatever like yeah. you know, Antonio Brown's bad person you know, on a fo- in a football sense, whatever. And then that came out and they are like, uh, you might want to take that down. That looks really bad. Now it's like, <laughs> well, I can't do anything about it now. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I've already said that. And it, you know, you look at the, you look at the publication date. It was before all that came down, yeah. you know? So Ugh. like, I, I don't feel like I need to remove this at all, but we did have that talk of like, do we take this down or mm-hmm. like, yeah. what do we do with it? And I, I decided to keep it up because you no, know, I already said it. Yeah. You know, feel, honest, feel free honestly, to grill me James, if you want. If, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, like, I don't think you were alone in that at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, initially when he asked to be traded from the Steelers, I, you know, I think even in Pittsburgh here, there were some people that defended him. And uh, it over the next, you know, couple of days, couple of weeks after that happened, it was just seemed like a slow descent into madness from there. But, uh, yeah, it is, it's been a, quite a journey uh, that Antonio has taken since he left Mount Pleasant. So, um, do you guys? Do you mind if? Can we, do you mind if we move on? If I, yeah, if I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go, go for it. We, we've right, been cool. way too long on that. Um, all right. So, James, this is another one here. Uh, I'm going to ask for your opinion and see if this might be another reach. Um, but uh, for my fourth selection for um, uh, the the Central Michigan Mount Rushmore for me. I am going with uh, recently retired women's basketball coach Sue Guevara. I hope I said her last Guevara. name. Guevara. Guevara. Um, and damn so it, again, that was going to be my pick at the end. This oh round. man, was it really? Okay, so that yep. makes me feel like this is a good pick. That makes me feel like this is a good pick. So uh, Sue Guevara, the um, was the head coach of the the women's basketball team for uh, for thirteen seasons, and in uh, in those thirteen seasons. You have here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
eight 20-win seasons, one of those 20-win seasons actually being uh, a 30-win season in 2017-2018 when the Chippewas reached, reached the Sweet 16 uh, for the only time in, in program history. This year, I mean, when it comes to Central Michigan athletics, the women's basketball program, th this is not a program that has a really long history of success. Um, before Sue Guevara became the coach uh, in 2007, uh, this team only ever had two NCAA tournament appearances, and they were both back in the 80s, in 1983 and 1984. Uh, during her tenure as coach, she brought them there three more times in 2013, 2018, and 2019. She won the MAC Conference Tournament twice. Uh, the the um, Chippewas won. Uh, they were the regular season champions three times under her watch uh, in 2017, 18, and 19. And um, again, of the five uh, NCAA tournament appearances in uh, Central Michigan women's basketball history, she was the coach for three of them. She just, re uh, just retired uh, last year after a 25 and eight season in 2018, 2019. So for me, my fourth pick, uh, I'm going with, uh, with Sue Guevara. I do remember getting tipped about something like that coming down the pipe last year and just being really terribly upset because uh, Sue Guevara provided some of the best moments I've ever had as a CMU student because I was a student from, I wanna say 2012, 2015. Yeah. And those teams were dynamite. Like, you're not going to recognize the names, but like Nikki DeGilio and Crystal Bradford and Jasmine Bracey and God, just so many good players have come out of that program. Uh, you know, even recent ones that she had recruited, like uh, Presley Hudson and Raina Frost, you know, Cassie Breen, like Guevara put her all into that job she's from the area she's from Saginaw mm. which is only like 40 minutes outside of Central like she's coached basically her whole life in Michigan like you know Michigan is her home more or less yeah she came to Central from the University of Michigan as an assistant coach and yeah. I was talking about uh Yonker having an electric personality and like being a part of the community Guevara is very similar like after every game, after every senior home game, she would take the microphone from the public address announcer and like personally address the fans before she would address, you know, the press about Very like cool. the game performance. You know, thank you for coming out. And, you know, we didn't, you know, if it, if it was a loss, it's like, you know, we didn't do what we wanted to today, but, you know, season's young and stuff like that. Just, just an absolutely wonderful woman who I've had the opportunity to meet and talk with in the past. And, you know, and cheer and cheer on too, because I was the leader of the CMU Rowdies back when I was in college. I was, oh, I was very, cool. I was very well known by that by that staff. <laughs> very <laughs> to cool. be certain. So yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I was just upset. she's left in an outstanding legacy. Like even last year, Central Michigan was definitely tough to be. I remember uh, watching when Central Michigan came to. I'll say you guys beat us uh, the first time at home. We, I was really shocked that we ended up beating you guys because even though Sue Guevara isn't, wasn't coaching last year, she definitely left her presence. She left her recruits. And, I mean, they're, they're like as uh, everything that Zach said and everything that James said, I mean, she was just an outstanding leader. She led Central Michigan to so, so much success. 
and even last year, even when she's gone, she's provided that stability and that her predecessor has kept uh, kept her name going on. Yeah, uh, Heather Osterley, that's the, the name. going to be a wonderful head coach. Uh, she was Guevara's, head, or Guevara's assistant coach for probably close to a decade before taking that job. So, like, Heather's going to do really well. But uh, Coach G, that's, you know, we affectionately refer to her as Coach G. Just ab- absolutely wonderful. And she's a great Twitter follow, too. She's got a wonderful sense of humor. Mm. Uh, yeah, just if you're looking at a, if you're looking at a person who's I always fall back to this, but like Chippewa values who like espouses, you know, central Michigan values, you know, that love for community that is, you know, unique to central and Sue Guevara is right up there in terms of like patriarch, well, not patriarch, in terms of matriarchs of like the Chippewa way and like Guevara would definitely it. And, you know, I've thanked her in person before for bringing so many memory memories to my home in terms of like forever memories like you know the the last ncaa or the first ncaa tournament appearance which was where we had a regional in uh columbus ohio against oklahoma and we took oklahoma right down to the buzzer in that one at the old saint john's auditorium this just giant wooden barn that was built in the (laughs) 30s just it was absolutely amazing just opportunity one of the best moments i've had as a central fan and then of course you know even after graduation you know that that big run that sweet 16 run that she helped lead was awesome in every sense of the word too i i I don't have enough good things to say about sue guevara awesome i thought maybe i was reaching with that pick but now i don't feel so i i feel like that was a, a good selection i'm happy about that Okay, I, I I think we're going to move on, and I I feel like this is the uh, Ask James of We're Reaching episode. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> well, we're getting we're getting deep now. I mean, this is pick. I mean, that was my fourth pick. This is going to be what is this your fourth pick as well, Sam, or third? So, uh, I believe um, third. Yes. Yeah. So we're 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 starting. We're we're getting deep, and I I love it. So um yeah, Sam, go ahead. So this may be a reach, I, but the reason I'm picking this person is because he has a moment that in my short time of watching Maction and like watching college football, it's just a moment that stood out to me. And it's uh, Cooper Rush. He's a quarterback for Central Michigan a few years ago. Now, again, he's another person that didn't have the best um, NFL experience. He's still an undrafted free agent with the uh, Giants, started with the Cowboys. He's still in the NFL. But the reason I bring his name up is not because he threw 12,000 yards and 90 touchdowns, 2015 second team All-Mac and 139 QB rating. His his win, the controversial win against Oklahoma State, is one of the top upsets that I remember watching as a person. You think of the Eastern Michigan upsets. You think of – and then I immediately go to the uh, Central Michigan over Oklahoma State upset. That's just a – moment in time that I'll never forget. It was amazing to watch the Hail Mary. Everything about it was electric. James, do you, what are your thoughts? I had the opportunity to watch Cooper Rush over all four years of his college football career in person, you know, as a fan and as media. So like, it was just really cool to see that emergence. Like I remember when Cooper Rush came in against New Hampshire in his redshirt freshman season. Back then, he was the third-string quarterback. 
and thinking, oh God, all hope is lost. Oh God, this season is going to be so bad. Because we had lost our starting quarterback, Cody Cater, the previous week to Michigan in what was a bloodbath. We lost like four or five starters that week. And then we had lost Alex Niznak, the second stringer in that wow. game to injury. And we were down, I want to say, 14 points to New Hampshire mm-hmm. at home in the rain. Yikes. Yikes. Like awful, 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 awful in every sense of the word. He came back, or he, you know, he took over a quarterback and led CMU with a 21-point unanswered rally and then eventually led the rally that would or led the drive that would win the game for them in that game and did not look back. Like, this dude is crazy smart. He graduated with a degree in actuarial sciences, had like a 3.9 GPA or something like that. That's an impressive degree on its own. And then it's like a 3.9 GPA. It's like, holy crap. Like, this this dude knows his crap. And I'm trying to be, I'm trying to stay really censored so I, so you don't have to beat me out. <laughs> so like, I, I have nothing but respect when it comes to Cooper Rush. And if you think the Oklahoma State game is really good, Sam, mm-hmm. I implore you to look up the full game highlights of the 2014 Bahamas Bowl. Oh my goodness. Against Western Kentucky? Yes. Cooper one Rush, was the, the, Cooper Rush one, was the quarterback for that game. One of the craziest football games I have ever seen in my entire life. Sam, are you aware of that game at all? I did not. I started watching college football probably 2015, 2016. Man, so. you got to – it's got – there has to be highlights on YouTube. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you got to go back and watch the highlights from that game because it is one of the most insane football games I have ever experienced in my life. Okay, just to set it up for you, to set up how crazy this game was, ESPN announced their player of the game early in the fourth quarter, and Cooper Rush outplayed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... That's about as spoiler-free as I can get for you. Yeah, okay. right, right. Yeah, you just got to make that, that... That's maybe like some homework for you, Sam. <laughs> you know, maybe at some point here in the next few days, you got to watch those highlights because they're pretty unbelievable. But yeah, Cooper Rush, in terms of like the senior Parthenon of quarterbacks, I would argue is personally better than Dan Lefevre. Ooh. So I got that is a good, That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. Dan Lefevre was really good. And, you know, I, lo- I love Dan Lefevre. Like, he is one of the dudes who originally brought CMU into my focus. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what Central Michigan was until, like, Dan Lefevre football happened. You know, like, like that, that, that 2009 upset at Michigan State, like, really made me aware that CMU existed in the first place kind of deal. So, like, I always loved Dan Lefevre for that. But in terms of, like, football prowess, Cooper Rush, miles and away better. And that, that is my, that's a hot take. I realize that. And I'm going <laughs> to die on that hill. You're going to get some after Lefevre. this. But, like, Cooper Rush did end up breaking a lot of... If he didn't break them, then he came right behind Dan Lefevre in terms of like every conceivable offensive record that he could get. From my research, I believe he was second in a lot of categories. I, I, yeah, I believe he was second in a lot of categories behind Dan. I mean, I, I, I even argue in terms of like Lefevre, like I'd argue Ryan Radcliffe 
who was like Lefevre's immediate successor, was just as good as Dan Lefevre. I, and this again goes back to the hot take, and I'm not going to get into like this argument for this for the sake of uh, pushing things along. Mm-hmm. But like Lefevre was really helped by the crew around him. Rush and Rush and Radcliffe didn't quite have those tools, and were still able to get those numbers. Yeah, that's a fair point. But also, but I I will also say that you know I saw Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush was my Central Michigan quarterback mm-hmm. for three years. Sure. Yeah. So I got to see a lot more of Rush in person than I ever got to see, you know, Dan Lefevre. But Cooper Rush is an excellent pick here. I am I am not gonna knock you for a reach or anything like that. It's a great pick. Okay. So we've got next two picks go to you, James. If I believe if I'm doing this right. Yep. So uh, the next pick I've got here, you know, uh, Guevara got picked before I could get here. So I was like, well, crap, now I got to now I got to figure out another basketball name. And I know the basketball name and it was the basketball name I was teasing earlier when you chose uh, Melvin McLaughlin. Dan Brownfield. Oh, yep, I had him on my list. Is going to be my fourth pick here for my uh, Central Michigan Mount Rushmore. I, 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 I lost the train, the whole, like, this person, this position, Central Michigan, earlier. Yeah, I got I, I saw you all right. But, yeah, Dan Roundfield. So, he, you know, local Detroit product, chosen the second round of, the, of his respective draft in 1975, uh, three-time NBA All-Star. He was the All-NBA second team, 1983-time, All-Defense first team two-time all-defense second team. He was MAC player of the year, his senior season in 1975. He was a two-time first-team all-MAC selection, one of three players to have his number retired at CMU, along with McLaughlin and Dan Marley. He had a, he had a pretty decent pro career. I think he went 75 to 87 in the NBA and ABA with the Pacers, uh, most famously with the Hawks, was his longest duration. And then he also had a year in Europe. Yeah, just a, just a long NBA career. Like prior to Dan Marley, he was like the name that many people recognized in terms of like CMU and NBA basketball was Dan Roundfield. He was, he, he would probably play small forward in today's NBA, but he was a really excellent power forward in the NBA and ABA in his time. And, and for me, it doesn't hurt that he played for the Pacers, especially since we were – I mean, we're, we, we haven't been the best over the last few years. But in the NBA, we won, we won a couple championships, so that doesn't hurt, in my mind at least, being a Pacers fan. I mean, I mean and, and this too, just an absolute Hall of Fame nickname. His nickname when he was playing was Dr. Rounds. He got, that's great. That is a great nickname. And person and like personally growing up a fan of like the two that of the going to work pistons. Oh yep. I, I, I was yeah. also a fan of those, yeah. I absolutely love me a good defensive basketball player. I and agree with that. like Dan Roundfield was like the definition of defensive basketball player. You know, he wasn't gonna put up a lot of points, you know, on the box score or whatever, but if you were looking for a rebound or if you were looking for a steal, if you were looking for you know, great man-to-man defense. Like, Dan Ran- Dan Roundfield was your guy. Another I mean, solid pick, James. Oh, I also have the fifth pick Yep, I see here. Uh, upcoming in 
I'm going to shock you again. I'm really sorry okay. about this, that you guys aren't going to really have like the knowledge of this guy, but he's That's another okay. all-timer in Mount Pleasant who has affected football in more ways than you can probably imagine. For the fifth pick on my Mount Pleasant, CMU, Mount Rushmore, going to go with Roy Kramer. Uh, head coach and athletic director at Central Michigan University. Uh, Kramer what? was Sorry, the guy who immediately took over for Herb Dramedy, both as a head coach in football and as the athletic director mm. at Central Michigan. So like Dramedy and Kramer are like really the two big names to know in terms of like growing CMU into the program that it is. But perhaps even more so and why he's my last pick here is because he would go on to be the AD over at Vanderbilt University after his tenure at Central and would become the commissioner of the SEC. Okay, interesting. Wow. When they were on the rise in like the late 90s, uh, he is part of the reason why the BCS was created as well, which really huh. pushed forward a lot of what college football is today and like what the SEC's position in college football is today. And part of that is because of the influence that he wielded as the SEC's first commissioner. Well, not first commissioner, but like the first, like, like that major commissioner at that particular time in college football, like right when the, right when the Southeast was starting to become like the standard bearer yeah. for college football talent. And that's around the time that the late Peyton Manning era slash like Eli Manning era. So SEC football was definitely like a place to see, but his record 83 and 32. I mean, that's, I am, I'm not even sure what percentage that is, but that's probably like 0.6 at this point. Yeah. But yeah, well, that, well, that's just it too, is that like he not only was an excellent like athletic director, as we just talked about, he was a good coach. Like CMU, is I think top 25 in FBS in terms of winning percentage. And part of that is because of Dramedy and because of Kramer. And then later on you have like Butch Jones and Brian Kelly really helping out in that. But like really those two help to uh, help to establish the standard of play at Central. Yeah. 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 An another name I didn't have on my board. I'm sure you didn't, Zach. No, no. Uh, that's why, honestly, James, that's why we wanted to have you on. And that's why we want to have someone on that's an expert uh, or, you know, that's a, you know affiliated or an alum of the school, because you have this institutional knowledge of these people who are really foundational in building Central Michigan up to what it is today. That's knowledge that I don't have. I mean, I can yeah. do research and, and stuff like that, but that, I, I never would have picked some of these names out. So another great, uh, another great choice, James. You really, uh, really brought your A game today. You, know? you really did. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um. So Sam, I believe wait, you're up no, now. Wait, with did, oh, uh, did James always pick twice? Oh, was that yep. was that your first pick or your second pick, James? Second. That was okay. a second. I was gonna say. So James has his five, um, and uh, then so this will be your uh, fifth as well, right, Sam? Okay, I got to end it up with somebody good. I got a couple options here that I wanted to. You know what? I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna go complete. We've done basketball and football so far. I didn't watch this person. I'm not a fan of track and field. If that gives you any hints, uh, James, at all. 
there's a guy by the name I, I was researching on the Hall of Fame, a guy by the name of Richie Brinker. He was a three-time All-American, 1998 MAC cross-country individual title, 1999 MAC indoor championships, most outstanding performer, eight-time academic All-American, 2004 U.S. World cross-country team, 2004 U.S. Olympic trials, 2001 U.S. field and track championships, and not to mention he was put in the Central Michigan Hall of Fame. Now, I, I'm not a much of a fan of track and field, but that those accomplishments just like – screamed like excellent athlete so i i thought it was right to include him we've done a lot of football and basketball and i wanted to switch it up yeah good pick did you sorry go ahead james Uh, i was just saying good pick yeah the did you say eight time academic all-american sam that's so that's what the hall of fame said so eight so literally all eight semesters he was in college that he was an academic all that's that's an impressive uh as much as anything you could do on the field that that's pretty impressive as well james do you have any uh knowledge on him because i mean i i just read his stats but i don't know much about him like yeah uh, uh, jack kramer right uh uh no uh richie brinker richie brinker uh sadly no i don't have that much about yeah, that if ever to talk about like pulling an email out of the hat, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. that one. So congrats, yeah. Sam. You've really impressed yeah. us. <laughs> I want there. I, I was I was thinking you were referencing a Jack Kramer. I think that's his name. I might have had that wrong, but he's also fairly influential in CMU track and field. And the name Kramer was just stuck in my mind. But yeah, I'm gonna look at, yeah. Good pick. Okay. Good pick. I'll take it. I'll take it five for five. I'll take it. And I believe that leaves Zach with the uh, penultimate pick. I believe that's no final, final final pick. It'll be his last. So I, uh, so for my last pick here, um, I'm, I'm, I'm similar to what Sam just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reaching deep into the bag here. Um, But I was doing some, you know, my list here includes a lot of people that, I, I, you know, in my research from the Central Michigan Hall of Fame that I included. So I'm actually going to go to the wrestling math. I'm going for my last uh, pick here. I'm going with uh, Casey Cunningham, who was a wrestler um, at Central Michigan from, uh, what is it, I guess, 96 to 99. He was the 1999 NCAA national champion at 157 pounds. Uh, so that was in his senior year. His junior year, the year before that, he was the runner-up. Um, he's a two-time All-American, uh, three-time MAC wrestling champion. Uh, he was two-time MAC wrestler of the year in 1998-99. Um, he was the most outstanding wrestler at the MAC championships in 99-96 freshman of the year, uh, four-time MVP uh, in four years in college. I mean, he is uh, set the school record for career winning percentage. He was 134 and 19 in four years of college wrestling. You want to talk about winning percentage? That's 88% of his matches in four years of college. He won uh, his his uh, career victories and uh, his season winning percentage. Uh, so career victories 134, season winning percentage. His senior year in in uh, 99, he was 34 and one. That's good for 97% winning percentage. Those are both school records that still stand uh, to this day. He's uh, top 10 in program history and career pins with 31. And um, he uh, 
was twice a, uh, again, two-time All-American, three-time MAC champion. I'm going with my fifth pick. I'm going Casey Cunningham. I mean, I, I don't have much uh, knowledge going in with wrestling, honestly. For one, Ball State doesn't have a wrestling – we have a wrestling club, but we don't actually have an official program. So, James, is is um, Mac wrestling – like, how how competitive is it, basically? Cause... Uh, Mac wrestling is probably one of, if not the most competitive wrestling conferences in the United okay. States. Uh Especially with Casey Cunningham, case in point, uh, Cunningham was right at like the brink, like right at the start of CMU's dominance in back play. Like since like the late '80s, CMU has probably been like the best full member of the MAC, easily, like hands down. Just at, at least ten championships, if not more. They've graduated a lot of All Americans out of that program at multiple weight classes. You know, they're a perennial top 25 program on the mat every single year since I can remember. Just an incredible program at Central. And Casey Cunningham is probably the best wrestler to ever come out of that particular program. Uh, the way that Mac Wrestling works in terms of membership is, you know, uh, the full members that do sponsor wrestling have, you know, obviously wrestling teams in there. And then there's also a handful of Mac affiliates as well uh there are several like big conferences like power five conferences most notably the sec that do not have wrestling sponsorships so mizzou of sec is a member of the mac and cmu and missouri are constantly fighting for that you know number one spot in the conference to give you kind of a reference on that and then you know there's a number of smaller schools as well that are fairly competitive in that you know, in that particular sport. But yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that you brought up a wrestler for the last part of this because, you know, I, I kind of struggled with whether to include that or not, but like my draft focus was a little different from kind of how you folks are handling it. So just the fact that you chose a wrestler last really gives me the opportunity to talk about like just how ridiculously good that program has been and is continuing to be. They're again ranked top 25 this year to start the preseason with at least two or three wrestlers ranked on an individual basis. Uh, so I guess to kind of wrap this up, who else was on your board? I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping for some honorable mentions here. Um, I'll let you go first, Zach. Um, the, the only, so <laughs> the only person on my list here that I didn't get to, uh, was, um, was Eric Fisher. Uh, yep, he's also uh, on my list. Plays for the um, the Chiefs now. I also had, you know, when I initially uh, started writing names down for this list before I started doing any like really hardcore research, um, just because of like recency bias, I also had and initially included Marcus Keene on this list. But then mm -hmm. I started doing some research and I realized that he only played one year at Central Michigan after he transferred from Youngstown State. So, Oh, God, but what a year that was. Oh, yeah. He was he was a heck of a – he is a heck of a basketball player, as, as we all saw again uh, over the last few weeks in, in the basketball tournament. But, uh, but yeah, so be, only because he was at Central Michigan for one year, that was the only reason I ultimately opted to leave him off. Uh, yeah, like, uh, Zach, I also had, um, Eric Fisher. I just know him off the top of my head. I knew he went there. I had Jaleel Adai. And then one person I was considering 
he was a pitcher. Kevin Tapani, I was considering possibly selecting him. Those are all pretty good choices. Uh, Marcus Keene was def- is definitely an honorable mention for me. Like you said, uh, the one year at Central is really a handicapper. But like when you put it into perspective, like he was still like the first person to score 30 points per game on average in like 20 years or something like that when he did play that one season. And like if you put his other years in perspective, like he played two seasons at Youngstown State, but he was more or less a bench rider yeah. over there. And then he had to sit a year under the old NCAA rules for transfers at the time. So he lost a year of eligibility. And that's really too bad. I would have loved to see a second year of Marcus Keene at Central. Uh, Braylon Rayson, who was his uh, backcourt partner for that one year. And then he was also the starting point guard the year prior to Keene's arrival. He was also in my honorable mentions. Uh, recently won the MVP of Canada's Premier Basketball League with the oh, Sudsbury wow, okay. Five, which is uh, really cool. Yeah. There, uh, old Texas product. Uh, you know, Fisher was also on my list. I was honestly surprised he didn't go on any on any of our boards. Yeah, me too. I I think my my last pick there it was down to to him or or Casey Cunningham. I just went with Casey Cunningham in the interest of like throwing someone out there from a different sport. You know, looking at other names too coming out of football, uh, Ontario Sneed and yeah. Zerlon Tipton. Two really big running back names. Also, I, uh, I, got, I got to see Zerlon play in person for three of his years, and I have had the chance to interview him before. Just wonderful guy who has gone too soon. Uh, Sam, you might remember Zerlon Tipton from his time of Indianapolis. Yep. And I also had Frank Zombo as an interesting because he did have a sack in the Super Bowl and was also a Super Bowl champ as well as two first-team All-Mac as well. Uh, Nick Ballore was another really interesting name coming out of like the linebacking core that, you know, Sunday Michigan had. He played alongside Zombo as well. Uh, Jalil Adai is a really good addition mm-hmm. that you yeah. had, Sam. I got to see him play in person as well, and he played the Joker position outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, and going I, between, I, you know, free safety, strong safety, linebacker, slot corner, just with absolute ease. It was... Really a pleasure to be able to watch him. And also yeah, in he, my re- he, oh, wait, go oh sorry, go ahead, Sam. I, and also in my research, I found out he actually was originally running back. He switched to a wide receiver and then finally picked defensive back. So that was something. Huh. Yeah. He's like, whenever I think about Jaleel Adai, like he's one of those guys that I think about, like whenever you hear people talk about defensive football today of like looking for players that are like positionless, like mm-hmm. that he, that's the type of player I think of a guy that could play like safety or he can play, move up and play linebacker. He can get into the backfield, stuff like that. Like that's why, that's what made him so good. I felt like. Then a few other basketball names. I, I mentioned them before when we were talking about Sue Guevara, but uh, Presley Hudson and Rain of Frost were two of the best players to come out of that program. Uh, yeah, Hudson finished setting the all-time points record, all-time three points record, all-time like percentage record or something like that. She left of basically everything you could ever ask for as a four-year starter. Rain of Frost, tenacious rebounder, you know, set the record on that mark there. Both of them are playing professionally in Europe. Uh, and then Crystal Bradford. Uh, played in the early 2010. She was a WNBA selection 
uh, CMU's first. I think she got chosen by the LA Sparks at the time. Okay. She's still playing professionally. I can't recall where immediately. But yeah, there lots of good lots of good names out of that particular basketball program there that I just couldn't include in the final analysis. I'm trying to think of like any other sports. A Danelle Pedrick out of gymnastics would be okay. another name I would have included. Uh multiple NCAA tournament appearances, you know, Mac Gymnast of the Year, just was outstanding at establishing a certain pedigree with that program. And CMU Gym is another, like, perennial top 25 rank, top of the Mac kind of program that I was really into when I was in college uh, in terms of, like, any other names. That, well, that's I, one thing, oh, yeah. James, that's one thing that, like, kind of struck me as I was doing my research is that, and, and, and maybe this is, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this is just an assumption I made that isn't true and, and you can correct me. But I, I got the sense in my research that like a lot of the quote unquote Olympic sports at Central Michigan are very strong. Like I never knew how good Central Michigan was at, at wrestling or, or at gymnastics or like some of the track and field stuff. Like I, that, that really stood out to me. Yeah, that that's what made the that's what made the cutting of the track and field programs really upsetting. Yeah, you know, last month was because there is such a pedigree with that program, and you know, unfortunately, we're just at a place right now. You know, everyone, not just you know Central, where like you have to make really tough choices, and track and yeah. field getting that axe was really unfortunate because you know it's had so much success in the past but yeah our olympic programs have always been really good at central you know baseball is a perennial favorite you know gymnastics perennial favorite wrestling perennial favorite and you know we've recently started growing other programs too like our golf program our women's soccer team is in the middle of a rebuild uh we've started up field hockey really recently uh women's lacrosse is starting to get there so like you know there's a there is a commitment to Olympic sports at Central that has always mm. been really admirable. Uh, another team that you'll be shocked to discover as you do your research with the other schools moving forward, Kent State. Yeah, Kent State, Kent State is really good at their Olympic sports. So I would recommend you know for your future draft there do some research in that department. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Well, I, uh, James, do you have any final closing thoughts? Well, you know the. That that was kind of the closing thought that I had. I was okay. like, well, who else did we kind of have yeah. on yeah. our board? I was really curious as to like what directions you were going to go. And then, like I said, I remember watching Jalil die like in person and seeing that def- and seeing such talent, knowing that guy was going to be good. And his successor, uh, Kayvon Frazier, had the chance to like watch him too, and he was also going to be really good. And he is still really good as a special teams ace down in Dallas. I think he just signed to Miami this off season. Uh, but yeah, I was, you guys did really good. I'm proud of you. I, I appreciate that. I, I didn't know how well this would kind of go. I, like we, we, me and Zach had the idea. I wasn't sure how well the execution was going to yeah. go with like, we don't really have that firsthand knowledge, but I'm glad it seemed to turn out really well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, feel free to have me on any, any time that you want. Just give me a little bit of a warning. We appreciate that. Yeah. Anytime we're looking for some hot takes, we might reach out. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's going to close it out for the draft segment. Let us know what you guys think, who 
kind of had the best Mount Rushmore, if you want to call it. Let us know your own Mount Rushmore. If you want to follow the same format or just give us five names, that will be fine as well. Hey everyone, James here. I wanted to hop on at the end of this podcast and let you folks know that Hustle Belt and Homefield Apparel have partnered up with our first two offerings out right now. Homefield is an independent clothier focused on community, comfort, and care. And their selection of college merchandise is some of the best around, with new schools and designs unveiled weekly. If you go to homefieldapparel.com and use code HUSTLE, you can save 20% off your entire first purchase. Pretty good, right? Help support the best little Maction blog on the internet by going to homefieldapparel.com and using checkout code HUSTLE. Thank you for your consideration, and thanks for listening to the podcast.